0: You're tuned in to The Kitra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Kitra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to
1: SOB. This episode is supported by the wonderful creators of Gratitude Plus app the app that helps you cultivate a daily practice of gratitude. What are you grateful for today? You can download the app now at the App Store or by visiting gratitudeplusapp.com forward slash style of business. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another wonderful episode of SOB Style of Business, the podcast. This is your host, Keitra, And today I have a wonderful guest by the name of Madeline Black, who is an international speaker. She is also a TEDx speaker. Uh, a author and a psychotherapist who has been on her personal journey and today she's visiting with us talking to us about the experiences that she's had that has allowed her to be who she is and where she is today and just talking about um, her own journey and mission and and really being a great inspiration to help others share their story uh, in times of those unfavorable conditions and trauma that sometimes people experience in life so without further ado Madeline please introduce yourself give us a quick background and we will roll from there.
0: Hi, Keetra. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It is lovely to be here. As you said, I am a psychotherapist, but I've actually recently stopped working as a psychotherapist to focus on speaking because I'm being asked to speak more and more. And I really share my story, not for me anymore, but to help others to find their voice and to live their life as courageously as they possibly can.
1: Wonderful. Sounds absolutely amazing. And I've checked out some of the great things that you have going and and especially with the advocacy work that you've been doing. Um, And so I guess let's jump right in. Let's let's start off about talking about the story uh, that inspired your memoir, which is Unbroken. And I know that you've had like uh, a personal experience and you've also shared that in a couple of the TEDx uh, engagements and the speaking engagements that you've done. So I'll let you start there and then we'll move forward.
0: Yes, Unbroken, my memoir, is my story of being gang raped when I was just 13 years old by two American teenagers. And it really follows my journey, I guess, of survival, healing, forgiveness, transformation and hope. I,
1: I, I had a chance to go back and look at the, um, the TEDx uh, event that you did and just kind of listening to a lot of that story. And then also, I think you were involved with the, the documentary project. Uh, a few years back, and just kind of listening to that story, you know, sometimes you can't help but wonder how a person is able to really, really, really move forward and overcome such a traumatic experience, especially at that young of an age. Um, and so if you care to, uh, Madeline, if you want to just give us a background of what happened, or if you want to just kind of, in, in, uh, you know, kind of give us um, an overview of what that whole memoir goes into as far as like your personal journey and being able to overcome and share that story with others. That'd be great.
0: Sure. Well, I really believe that we are all so much stronger than we think we are. But I have to make it very clear, you know, I didn't get to this place where I'm at overnight. I didn't just suddenly wake up and say, right, I'm going to speak about the most intimate, shameful secret of my life. It's been a process, you know, and I've been working it and working it for years. Um, I've used many different types of therapies, many talking therapies, many alternative therapies. But it was about five years ago uh, through the powers of social media I met a woman called Marina who runs an organization in London called the Forgiveness Project and she'd heard of my story because I went on to choose to forgive the two young men which is an interesting subject for a lot of people it's quite a provocative word forgiveness yeah and she asked if she could share my story and I said yes and she said yeah, I don't need to put my name or my photo But I just thought five years ago, you know, I'm tired of being ashamed for something that happened to me that was never my fault. I never invited it in. And I said, no, you can put my name and you can put my photo. And I just really underestimated what the impact would be. And I started to see very quickly why Marina doesn't call us storytellers she calls us story healers because within moments of sharing my story I had messages from friends, from acquaintances, from people I didn't know and then from people across the globe, you know, from different countries messaging me and saying yeah me too, I've had the same experience and sharing my story just really gave them some hope and so that's really why I share it
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I know it's, you know, it it would probably seem a little bit obvious when people, you know, ask you questions about the type of impact that this has had on your life. But, you know, like you said, you didn't get here overnight. And so like just kind of having to live with that and kind of not even think about what happened to you. how How were you able to come to a point to where it was okay for you to share this and let other people know what what had happened with you?
0: Well, you know, I never, ever intended to forgive them. I kind of call myself an accidental forgiver. So I very nearly didn't become a mum, but I have three beautiful girls. I can say that because I'm their (laughs) mum. But they are gorgeous. And my eldest daughter, Anna, turned 13. So she turned the same age that I was when I was gang raped. And I was also studying psychotherapy and I was doing tons of personal development, and all my memories came back, all, the, all in the forms of like nightmares and flashbacks and pictures. And at first, I really thought that I was going mad. I thought, you know, if it was so bad that I, I would remember it. But then I realized it's because it was so bad, my mind had shut it down for years. So I went back to therapy, which was the last time about 13 years ago. And I went for about three years. And near to the end, my therapist suggested to me that, you know, maybe these two young men weren't born rapists. And at first, I was just outraged that he even dare suggest something, because I was just full of rage and revenge and hate. And I fantasized about somebody, you know, kidnapping the two of them and tying them up and raping and torturing them for hours on end, just like yeah. they had done to me. But I started to see that, this rage and hate and anger I was filled with, they would have no idea, you know? It was only harming me, my husband, my kids, my friends. It was having no impact on them at all. So forgiveness for me was really about understanding and I really believe that we don't, we're all born equal. I believe we're all born that clean, beautiful blank slate as babies. You know i had a friend who was a midwife and she told me that she had delivered thousands of babies and she's never once met an evil one mm-hmm. and i do believe just like her we are all born the same but somehow you know we get corrupted by life we get conditioned and i started to i wanted to understand needed to understand why could these two young boys who weren't much older than me maybe 17 18 How could they know to be so violent? And that sent me on this journey of forgiveness and understanding and actually compassion. I started to feel compassion in my heart towards them, which took me by surprise as well. But I thought, you know, I've done a really good job of living my life, just refusing to be identified by what had happened, you know, becoming a mum, which I thought I would never do. But they have to live with what they've done to someone else, and I don't imagine that would be easy. So forgiveness was always, I guess, for giving me a better chance. There was nothing really to do with them at all. I didn't, you know, need them to turn up and say how sorry they were. It was always for me, and it really allowed me to accept all of the details, everything that was done to me, because actually after a while, my denial was worse than the pictures themselves. Me not wanting to believe it was causing more disruption in my mind than the pictures and so when I chose forgiveness, and it is a choice, I could accept all that was done. I realized I'm not my body. You know, I'm not the yeah. things they did to me. All of us are so much more than our events. And I could just say, OK, I'm still alive. They didn't kill me. I'm going to let it go because I don't want it to chain me to my past. I don't want to be held back in any way. And, and that's really how I ended up choosing to forgive them.
1: That's an amazing story, and and I know you mentioned the therapy and getting help and support. Did you, were you ever kind of, did you ever feel like you were pushed into the corner to where you just, like, when did you know that you had to get some sort of support? Like, was there anyone around you, maybe your husband or any family members that just noticed that there was, um, that you needed some, uh, help? You, know, in you know what? I think that
0: therapy for me is a bit like an onion. There's many, many layers, and so years ago I would do some work. And then I'd be okay for a while, and then it would come up again, and then I'd do some more work. And this, this was this when this came back when Anna turned 18, at uh, 13, it was I couldn't ignore it, and I thought I need to go and clean this up once and for all. I mean, I was the worst client because I told my therapist I want him to make these pictures stop. I don't want to see them anymore. And obviously, as a therapist, uh, we can't make pictures stop. I do believe things come back when we are ready to work them, and I slowly understood actually the way in was going to be the way out. I had to really face everything that was done because we can convince ourselves we're okay, but, you know, I really know I wasn't okay. I was putting on a mask and I was pretending and minimizing so much of what happened. But once I really faced it, that that was when the healing really happened.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And i saw that it, it's been a bit of a process for you because even since the, the book has come out, you've been doing different speaking engagements. And one of which was the TEDx speaking event that you did. And that really made a difference. I know a lot of people were impacted by that speech as well. You want to talk about a, a little bit about some of the events that you're doing?
0: So this is TEDx Glasgow, and it's quite a big one apparently in the UK. I didn't realize. And so there were 2,000, just over 2,000 people. And up until that point, I'd spoken to about 500 people maximum. So I was a bit nervous, to say the least. But I'm very passionate about sharing my story because you never know who is in the audience, who is going to reach out of these 2,100 people. So waiting on the side, I was terrified. But once I got out onto that red dot, I just thought to myself, you know, this isn't about me speaking. This is about who's listening.
1: Yeah.
0: And the very next day I had a head teacher email me and said he was there with a group of his students from his high school. And one young woman turned to the maths teacher who was also there and said that she was raped by a family member about three years ago. She'd never told anyone. She said if she hadn't heard me, she probably would have still never told anyone. But she said listening to me gave her hope. And I've now gone to the school, I've met the young woman, and I'm going to hopefully go back to the school and speak to the whole of the fifth or the sixth years. But, you know, that's all the evidence that I need. And I said, if I was just there to speak to you, then that's my job done. You know, maybe that's the only reason I was there that day on that stage and you were there in the audience. But, you know, every time I speak, I have people contact me all the time, all the time, and tell me their stories. So, you know, I really... Understand that um, courage is, you know, infectious. It's contagious yeah. it, because it was somebody else speaking out that helped me find my voice, and I just really intend to pay that forward.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and speaking of making a difference, like, why do you feel like it's important to share these types of stories? Because now it's more of a movement. I think when people come out and, and speak about the different experience, uh, like you said, it gives other people's other people rather courage to share their story as well. Um, but from, yeah. But from your so perspective,
0: the. Tarana Burke spoke about 10 years ago with Me Too, but the last Me Too movement, really, it was actually two years ago today. So it's kind of nice that we're speaking today. Um, So it was two years ago. People thought it was just the moment. But you're right, it is a movement. And I think it has really given people the courage to find their voice. You know, for years, what kept me back was my shame. I was so ashamed of what happened to me that I thought... You know, if people knew, they wouldn't want to know me. They would look at me differently. They would be disgusted because I felt that way about myself for years. I just felt worthless, disgusted, dirty, contaminated. And I assumed, incorrectly, that other people would look at me in the same way if they found out. It's been five years since I've shared my story, and I've never had anybody say those things to me. So, you know, I saw that our fears are really in our imagination and shame is is a really really hard emotion to walk out it was like I had a coat of shame and I wore it for years and I never took it off until I stepped into it so it's an odd one because you have to really confront your shame in order to learn to be okay with your shame but shame keeps us silent and we're not supported by society either. Society keeps us silent. We, I mean, just in your country alone, you have a president who thinks it's okay to grab a woman by the pussy. So yes. how seriously is it being taken, sexual violence against women and men?
1: Exactly. No, I, I tell you what, you definitely have a, I mean, it's, it's right there in your face you know you like you said you we have representation that uh believes one thing and you know that's supposedly leading a country so yeah it it's one of those things to me that if you keep silent about it it keeps you know just kind of stays under the rug right so if you are able to go out and speak about it like you said you encourage other people to do the same uh which brings me to this point i want to get a little bit about your personal mission um you have the book now you're speaking about your story what other uh advocacy work do you you have in regards to your personal mission
0: well you know i never really intended to be an advocate but it just kind of happened. so as i said you know i've now stopped working as a psychotherapist because i've been asked to speak more and more so just actually last december i said to myself Okay, if I'm meant to be a speaker, then I'd love a sign. I'd love to work internationally, and I thought, well, that's never going to happen. But I woke up on January the 1st with an invitation to Johannesburg, and then on January the 5th with an invitation to the Maldives. So I thought, okay, that's a good sign. I will take that sign. So now I just go out, and I just speak, really, and I just share my story. It's a variety of different events. I do a lot of book events still with my book, but I also you know invited into schools, universities, ladies' lunches, conferences, you know all different kind of events yeah. and all over the world. So it's brilliant for me. But it's it's really about sharing my message and helping people to find their voice. And I don't expect people like me to stand on a stage, but. I think to find your voice, to give it oxygen, just moves something inside. And I think when we don't speak, we really hold ourselves back. You know, there's a part of us that isn't integrated with the rest of us. It's like a little part of us in the deep freeze. And I think when we can let that out, when we can speak about it freely, then we can be more connected to ourselves. And then the true essence of us can really come out. And you can live a great, spontaneous, fantastic life.
1: That is excellent, Madeline. I, I'd i like to get your thoughts on, uh, say, for instance, you know, perhaps somebody may be listening who has had one of these experiences, experience, oh my goodness, my, I'm twisting and turning all types of different ways with <laughs> with these words today, so look past that, but uh, as far as anybody that, who may be listening, who has had a, you know, assault or some sort of uh, experience similar to yours, like what sort of You know, advice could you offer, or just words of encouragement? Um,
0: Sure, I would just say, you know, it's never too late to find your voice, and there's always support and help out there. And find someone that you trust. You know, it doesn't have to be a therapist, but find someone that you trust, because I think to be listened to, to be heard, and to be believed, there's nothing, nothing more empowering than that. And to know that if you have been a victim of sexual violence abuse, it was never ever your fault. Uh, 100% of all rapes are caused by rapists, and and that's it, nothing else. It's not what you were drinking. It's not because you were out late. It's not what you said, what you didn't say. We know that babies are raped. We know that women in burkas are raped. The perpetrator is always the guilty
1: one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and to add to that, what about, um, you know, sometimes when people are – are a little bit reluctant or hesitant to share their story is because that, you know, they don't want to be the the blame or the victim. And like I know um, in many instances, some of the people that I know personally, you know, they were blamed for uh, the things that have happened to them, you know, and I think that that kind of makes it hard. And especially when, you know, like you mentioned, you have a a president who laughs and mocks um, different people who've had these types of experiences. So maybe they are a little bit hesitant about coming forward because they don't want to be the, the guilty party, right?
0: No, I, I get that. We don't make it easy for victims to report. And also in the UK, you know, the conviction rate is so small, and especially where I live in Scotland, it's such a small conviction rate. And, I, you know, I worked at rape crisis for many years, and we would have to really prepare women to say if they are going to court, they've reported it. The chances are you won't get a conviction, you know, and mm-hmm. that's a reality, and that's that's shocking. That needs to change. It's really... It's not great at all, the, ju- the, the justice system, how we treat victims of crime. And it's the only crime I can think of where, the, you know, the, there is so much blame attached to it. You know, if your car is robbed or your house is set on fire, you don't say, oh, I shouldn't have left my car outside my house. It was my fault. You know, my car was stolen. But it's the only crime I can think of where the victim is just almost as guilty sometimes as the perpetrator.
1: Yeah, that is absolutely true. Yeah, we definitely have work to do uh, when it comes yeah. to personal space, yeah. <laughs> absolutely well Madeline before sure. we get ready to wrap up let us know where we can find your book Unbroken um, and also if you have any other upcoming speaking engagements and hey we need to get you over here in the states so if you if you have anything
0: to come over to the states I would love to but uh, you can find me anywhere on social media my website is madelineblack.co.uk I'm on Twitter, Instagram which is madblack65 I have a Facebook page Madeline Black Unbroken and I'm on LinkedIn you can get my memoir, Unbroken, on Amazon. You can just order it or ask your local shop to order it in. And next month, it will be um, an audio book. So that's really exciting.
1: Oh, that is so great. Okay, well, perfect. Yeah, that, that'll give uh, us that like to listen uh, an option uh, as well. So that would be good. All right, sounds good, Madeleine. Well, we thank you so much for being on the show. If you have any last words, uh, just anything that you want to leave, go ahead and do that. And we uh, definitely appreciate your time this afternoon.
0: I would just say, like I've said before, I just want to repeat, it's never too late to go and get support. There's always support or someone out there. Don't suffer in silence. You know, find your voice and end the silence.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much, Madeline. You have a great day.
0: And you too. You're welcome.